This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, hello to all of you that, you know, first of all, I want to say welcome back to here we are now halfway through the year um, to a new edition of Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. And it's an edition I really wasn't planning on doing, but because of a situation that I found myself in a pickle with, I thought, you know what, I need to go back and readdress it. So Throughout this hour, I'm going to be sharing a lot of insights and ahas and tips dealing with your website and who is in control. And the answer should be you. You need to be in control of your website. And I get it. You know, we authors are so busy. Writers are so busy that we often just say, do it. We, someone takes it over, they create the website, rarely are we building it ourselves, certainly I'm not going to be going down that path ever, and that you rely on people to always be there, being always available to you if you need to tweak or change, or that it's open enough that if you engage someone else to take over your website, it, it can be figured out. It's not the case. It's not the case. So what we're going to be covering is a variety of goodies that you need to do to be in control, or at least if you engage someone, which I do, I have people who are in control of my websites, um, and now I view them, they're my partner in the website. Because I can always access, I have all the inside information, I have all the ahas, I have all the tips, I have all the keywords, I have all the passwords, I have all the codes, I have, you name it, I got it. So that at any one time, I could easily pass it off to someone else to step in. So my question to all of you is, do you have that control? that capability. And I'm going to bet you don't. I'm going to bet you don't. So here's the truth be told that we're in the middle of doing a full blown makeover on our website. Um, And this is the book shepherd. And I'd love to have you go visit it. And I want you to make sure you grab the, the new uh, freebie goodie I'm giving you. It was, it's based on the most often searched blog I've written in years. And it's on how to get your LCCN library of Congress number. I get people calling me from out of the country wanting to know if they should get the U S library of Congress number, even because they're publishing in Australia. 
So it is really widely searched. And so I have created a whole new tool, step-by-step with visuals, with arrows pointing out where you grab this baby um, as a, what we call a lead magnet on your website. So we'll talk about, that's one of the essentials. You should have a lead magnet or called an opt-in right on the homepage, very visual, not buried at the bottom, because what it does is gathers individuals, names, and emails, and that's the gold. But that's you know a whole nother topic, and we can certainly come back and chat on that just a little bit more. But here's what we're going to be doing today is going into my pickle. So the pickle we started with is that I had put together um, you know, a team, and we're going to do a full gutting. You know, things get stale, they get old, maybe some of your strategies change, your attitude changes, fill in the blank. But it was time to go and readdress um, my website. I wanted a new look to it or new feel to it um, and, and make it a little bit more contemporary. Each year I would go back and look at my website. Is it still contemporary? The answer was yes, yes, yes. And last year, as the year came to the close, maybe it was COVID and loosed, I don't know. But um, the answer was no, it needs a tad morphine. It needs a tad makeover. Okay, great. So we started working on it. I interviewed people who would assist me because, again, yours truly is not going to be the one who does it, um, to bring it together and someone that we could do it fairly efficiently. I had kind of an idea what I wanted, but I was totally open. I was totally open. Tell me what you can do. What do you think? What's your ideas? Um, knowing that I would always have my key color, which is a plum purple. I would always have that new uh, green in it, but I was open to adding on a few more colors. I, I, I certainly know colors I don't want. So, and that's important for all of you to know what you want and what you don't want on a website. So the process started. Well, you know what? It wasn't quick and easy because I didn't have all the data. I didn't have all the information. We couldn't get behind the scenes, although the uh, as we worked on it uh, and we brainstormed this, no one felt that there would be a problem getting through back doors and around the deal with their tech uh, know-how. It was a problem. So the purpose that we want to look at today and my question for you, dear author, is, is, you know, do you have protection for your website? Do you have it? Um, Are you really protected? Do you know where all your website details are backed up? Do you have all your logins? their passwords, the codes, the keywords, and anything else that you need if you must access them immediately. If you need help, do you know where to go? Who to ask? If you have a webmaster, what if he or she gets hit by a bus? What if they, oh my gosh, go on vacation and all of a sudden you have a humongous hiccup? Who do you call? Who do you get into help? You know, what if they're floating around on the yacht in the middle of a Caribbean with no Wi-Fi service, no mobile service, which would be the case. 
So what if your your current webmaster decides to go tippy-toe and, and go smell the roses someplace else? They don't want to work with you. Or what if you don't want to work with them anymore? Or the worst, they get hit by a bus or they die. What are you going to do? So that's what we want to talk about. I've got 13 key elements that you need to look at um, and have a website chat time. Now, I'm saying now with whoever is in control of all the elements in running your website. For example, in my case, um, the person who is doing our design assumed that my website was hosted at a big a big well-known site like GoDaddy? And the answer is nope. You know, never, never have I worked with GoDaddy. I have another more business-oriented and has had a tracker of far less hacking and problems than some of the well-known ones like Bluehost and Blue Gator, etc. So who is going to help you out here? So what I want you to do is that I want you to get out a paper and pen because you're going to be writing down these things and there's going to be key questions I'm going to be asking you when we come back from our break in a couple of minutes. But it, think of it as your website SOS. It's a due diligence plan and it's designed to protect you, the owner of the website, the recipient of the website of visitors uh, that what do you need to know to get that going and that what I'm going to propose is that you submit these questions that I'm going to give you and I'll repeat them a couple of times as we go through each section that we're going to go through them and that you're going to get an answer, a detailed answer from your webmaster or whoever is, is in control. And the other thing is that because I work with so many authors um, in their creating their infrastructure for their authoring and their publishing business, that this is one of the things that they've got to do literally from the get-go or if it hasn't been done um, and they've just been kind of maybe, you know, limping along. They've got a website. We're going to restructure it. Or they're coming in totally naive, not even knowing that they should be asking these things. These are the things, the questions, the 13 key, uh, key points that I want you to make sure that you have a copy of. And um, I have another little disclaimer here. I have actually a bright color expandable folder that my daughter knows if I get hit by the bus, all my essential stuff is here, not locked away in a safe, not locked away at a bank safe deposit box. Here are the key elements, and there is a total folder dealing with business with subfolders dealing with websites, uh, key contact people I deal with, um, and all the passwords to everything in the world. So she knows that all she has to do is come in and find this colored, and she knows what color to look for, uh, file that all these essentials are here. So with that said, we're going to come up and take our first break. And when we're going to come back, you will get the very first question of dealing with the ownership of your website 
and including well, who owns the copyright? It's essential. This is Dr. Judith Bryles. I'm the Book Shepherd, and we're talking about protecting you and one of your most valuable assets. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out... You will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author U extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. Author U is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author U is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author You today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, welcome back. And we are talking about protecting one of the most valuable assets you have, which is your website. So let's start with question number one. Who owns it? Who owns your website is it the webmaster better not be is it you it better be but and it could be maybe you have an llc maybe you have it in that name maybe you have a corporation maybe it's that name maybe it's just your name but who owns it doesn't mean your accountant doesn't mean the webmaster doesn't mean a lawyer doesn't mean a go-between person it's you is the second part of that is who owns the copyright you know there are all kinds of goodies that that go together to make a website there's images that are that are brought in who owns them have you thought about that did are they freebies for example from maybe the morgue file or unsplashed or segments of pixabay are they truly freebies are they images that you took and you supplied, by the way, do you have your copyright on them? Good question, eh? Um, are they um, uh, images that have been purchased 
who purchased them. The webmaster, is that in their name or did they purchase them in your name? Did you pay for them? And if you purchased an image uh, that anything, it should be you the owner. Um, you should be paying for it. You need to make sure that you have the tracking, the keyword coding, all those things for every one of those images that you have bought or have been procured for you. And I'm going to tell you, most people don't. They're clueless here. So um, if, if a designer uh, is also, a lot of, a lot of designers are often uh, graphic illustrators themselves, graphic designers. Um, and they may uh, claim that they have ownership of it with their own original. I think you need to get clarity here of what's going on on that. Uh, because what happens if they pull it? Your banner could be gone. You know, things could be gone. It's always much better when it's, uh, I think in my opinion, that there's a design issue to it. I get that. But that where you have different elements that have been pulled in from other resources and then you bring it all together. And one of the huge issues that we had with this, my changeover for the Book Shepherd website is that the banner that I've had for um, six years, which I've always liked, you know, I've always liked it, but it was time for change. And that we couldn't access it. We couldn't get into it. We couldn't even get into it to pull it off until we did some manipulation um, that was off the wall to make that happen. So you, that's why it's important. You know, it's, and, and even though it was my picture, you know, all together, nothing really fancy dancy, but we just couldn't manipulate it and get it. So number one question, who owns your website? And is the copyright of it, you know, this the year that this is live for the first time is 2021. Does it have the copyright code 2021 in your name? And I would make sure you get that down on the bottom and it shows up on your homepage. You could say a lot of times designers will add their name, website designed by, that's okay. But I want copyright your name. All right, that's number one. Number two, do you know the name of the website host or the server where it's parked? Do you have their website address? Do you have an emergency email or phone number that you can access? Or in the case of me, where I was bringing on a new webmaster, do you have all their contact information so you can go in? So in my case, they asked me, okay, so where, you know, what's your, the question came across. So what's your login for this particular company that they just assumed I had originally bought the domain from? I had not. I bought it from someone else. I gave them that. Well, but it had been lifted and moved to another site that we have been working with for, oh, maybe five years, six years. And I had that information, but it was a company that they weren't familiar with. 
So this is like a laundry list. This is why this is your due diligence plan. In case if anything happens to you, people know who to go to. But also, if you've got this changeover, the, the new people, this is knowing who and where your website is hosted is absolutely elementary. So what are the help phone numbers? If you need to get in, what are the passwords for it on that? Number two. The third thing you need to know is, okay, so who is a webmaster? Good idea, huh? <laughs> so what's his or her email? What's their mobile number? Do they also have a landline or a different office number? Do you have logins to the accounts? All of them, meaning their usernames and the passwords. Do you have any idea what format was used to design? Do you know what the fonts are? For And there'll be multiple within a website. Do you know what they are? Are there any special templates that were used or created? Or images that were purchased or apps. And again, I'm going to go back to what I was referring to a few minutes ago. If they're purchased images or apps, who from? Maybe the date even. Is there a code? Usually when you purchase something, they you get a code. Because they actually give you a uh, uh, guidelines on how you can use it or maybe restrictions. It's always good to know that stuff. Do you know what was purchased for the creation of your website that was paid for separately and who paid for it? And that you need to have or take what is yours. And my whole thing in doing this program today is to really embed in your head that this is yours. It's all yours. You just had a partner. You had an assistant, uh, whether they're design, whether they're techie, whatever they are, who helped put it together. But you ultimately are the person who has it. And you need to be able to have immediate access. You shouldn't have to be on the phone tracking down well, what's this? What's that? What's the code? What's the password? I want to pull this. I want to alter this. Or maybe you don't even want to talk to the webmaster when you're doing that. Maybe you're having a cloning done if you're making a new site and you don't want to spill the beans that you're making the change until the change is totally done. You know what? You have to kind of think of this as a divorce when you do leave a webmaster. Now, some, you know, some divorces are friendly. Um, but often they get testy and you just don't want to be in a position that you have to test that factor. So who is your webmaster? What's their phone number? What's their email? What's their mobile as well as the alternative office number? Do they have individual hours? Do they live in a different state? And so a different time zone possibly that you have all that you need to know. And by the way, anyone who has a webmaster, one of the responsibilities of a webmaster is to let all their clients know, even if they haven't had any interaction because there's no, been no big changes over a few years, that when they are away, like on vacation, floating in the Caribbean on a yacht, for example, <laughs> that, that they notify you. 
And who is the new backup if you need help? That's so essential, so important. Number four, who has the login credentials to your website? Well, number one, you better. But who else has them? I think the author should always be the primary person. And anytime there is an alteration uh, to them or there's a change, because sometimes we do have to change our passwords for a variety of reasons, it's important that you are on the first run stream that you know. So you're not playing around with that and wondering what's going on. If you have a virtual assistant, they should have access most likely to it too, or backup. Um, and remember, if you change any of these key people that you're working with, um, if, if that is going to be changed, including virtual assistants, um, or could it be maybe other team members that you have on your writing team, your authoring, your publishing team, that if you think there's going to be a change, this is the time that you would make a password change so you're in control. Uh, there are horror stories out there that when changes are done, that, that people who are feeling a little pissy that they aren't working with you anymore, you've terminated it for whatever reason, or, or maybe they've just done it themselves, that they can go in and alter your stuff. That's why you have to pay attention. That's why you, you've got to keep control of that in the process. So who has your login credentials? They start with you. You're the primary. The virtual assistant would make sense. My virtual assistants can log in. I have two of them, three of them. They can all log in on that. And that I do get goosed by the host every once in a while to change it and then uh, the, the password, and then I have to go in and make that change. Um, so you want to do that. And if, and as I said, if you terminate anyone or they leave your employment for whatever reason or your confidence, all passwords should be changed immediately. Not, not you know, whatever it is and the next number, but you're really going to have to have one that you haven't been using before. So there you don't have the ability of the guessing game going on um, to get into it. And I did have one client that went through website hell when one of her key people um, was terminated and she basically almost put the business under by all the things that she could do because she was privy to the passwords and they didn't get changed in a timely basis when my client was suspicious that there could be something amiss. So be careful here. So again, repeating this before we go to our next break, who has got your login credentials to your website? Again, you're the primary. Who else has them? Make sure you change them. Um, and then if anyone leaves uh, under your umbrella, that you change it to something that is totally different so there's no guessing going on. We'll be right back. This is Judith Bryles. This is your guide to book publishing. 
everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All righty. So we're on to halfway through our protection plan. Um, and that there's still lots of questions for you to be considering. So, side login credentials, you need to know, where is your website domain registered? Where is it registered? So, how's that different from when I um, first bought it or who hosts it? Well, where you get your domain through your .com, your .net, your .org, whatever it is, and I and I would suggest if you have, uh, we all have different names, and I'm thinking as I say that you know a lot of people spell shepherd differently. That it, I probably should go in and see about what other, what other things would be different with book shepherd with variable spellings in it. Okay, but where is it? Where is it registered? All right. So you want to make sure that you're in the ICANN. And that's, uh, I'm just, it's all caps, I-C-A-N-N, who is database. And that your name, your name and your location. So, you know, John Smith, anywhere, uh, Kansas, something like that. And, And they give, sometimes they give the full address, but usually it's just a city and a state and and start tracking that down um, for that. So where is your domain registered? And you know, here's another thing. You may decide at some point to retire, to change, to do uh, do other things, or maybe you have bought a lot of domains and they're just parked. You haven't done anything with them. You know, there is a resale capability out there where you may have a value that you may not know. Maybe you have been paying 10 bucks or 12 bucks a year in that area just to keep it uh, secure. Maybe you can let it go and stop paying that out, but maybe someone would like that and you can put out that it's available for sale. 
and you just kind of research around. I get queries often from other people. Would you be interested in buying this domain? All right. So where is it registered? Always know this. Number six. Aha. Websites have a theme. All websites have some kind of a theme underneath them. Now, WordPress is one of the biggies. Um, it has a gazillion themes, variables on them. So is it listed so you know what the theme is? And if you were to change or decide that you want to go out of it um, and totally do a, a makeover, it's good to know what to go, you know, when you're perusing website themes. Was it free? There's a lot of free ones. Or did you have to pay a fee for it? What was it? How much did you pay? What was the terms of using it? Is it open-ended or is it only good for a few years? Do you have proof of allowability? meaning you have access to use this. Is there a renewal date for the allowability? What is the login information? And if appropriate, the password for that. So a lot of people don't even think what happens is a website's developed. They don't, they, the webmaster never tells them what the theme is. I, I had no idea what my theme was. None. I didn't even know to ask a question. Does it have a theme? Who owns it? Was there a fee to use it? Or was it free? Do you have proof of allowability for you in your name? Is there a renewal date included? Is there any login information that you need to know? All really essential and appropriate. Next up is this little gem called license keys. I don't know of a website that doesn't have plugins that are add-ons that you go through. I have a I have a gazillion of them on mine. And you know what? I forget about them at times because they're just there. And there are times that others come along that need to be replaced. Like I'll get information from my host saying, you know, this plugin is no longer compatible. We recommend that that we're going to take it off because there seems to be problems with it. Um, and sometimes they make recommendations of others. And I have to tell you, sometimes I've been bad and just figure, okay, the web person will take care of it. You know, that's not a good idea. I need to know what's going on. This is the update. So do you have any license keys for plugins or your themes? Who provided them? Where are they kept? Where's the line of them kept? What are the renewal dates? Are there any fees on them? And I think it would be really wise if you would write down what they're used for, because this is my bad. I don't know half the time. So license keys and plugins. Who provides it? What's the list of all of the ones uh, and I have a, I must have 50 or 60 plugins. All of a sudden I'll go up on the back end of my website saying, 
you have to update. There are all these updates going on. And by the way, things need to get updated because it could kind of screw up the operation of your website. So at least once a month, you want to check in to see if there's anything and that for updates. And are you still using this? Is this still viable? Because things do go out of date. The good, better, greater uh, replacements come along that would make sense to dump one and insert another. What are the renewal dates, if there are any? What kind of fees you're doing? And I mean, I think what we're talking about is making a spreadsheet for, for this kind of stuff. So you do know what they are. And, and then I would add a column when they were last updated and you can just put that in. It's kind of like take going in for an oil change on your car or tire, you know, rotation and that, that they put that little sticker that says when you did it somewhere on your car. So you'll be reminded or you can see it or whoever does it next knows they'll look on the inside of the door. Sometimes it's on a little sticker decal when your car door is opened, but it's just smart to do this, to have this in the process. All right. So license keys are really important. Again, I confess there are some plugins. I don't even know what they're about. And that that's you need to move from being clueless to be tuned in with that. So we go through that and checkpoint each one of this as we make, um, you know, my new website which will be done, all done here within a couple of weeks, that um, I will have all of these things. And these licensing keys are essential. All right, next up, ah, the dreaded SSL certificate. Do you have a secure uh, certificate that is displayed and it will show that if people go to your website, it will, now they kick back, uh, the Google kicks back that it's not secure. And most people never worried about that. I mean, I, there are some websites that I routinely use that I don't worry about the security of it because they don't sell anything. They sell Zippo. Uh, and no money is ever transaction. They're not collecting credit card information or they're not a portal for that to be taken care of through an a la type of shop, shopping cart, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But do you have something like that? And you should. So the question, do you have an SL, SSL certificate? And it, this is not a freebie. Um, some of the hosting places, like my hosting place, uh, as supplies it for my website, they actually supply it. I just say I need, you know, an updated SSL certificate and they automatically have it. So it gets displayed on my website. Uh, when it's up there. So you want something. So who issued it? Was there a cost? Write down the cost. The cost could go from free because it's under the auspices. This is what the host does with all the other monies you pay out to them. Um, or do you have to buy it, which could cost anywhere from, you know, 50 bucks to 150. I've seen ranges in those there. So you want to have the contact information for them. And the image representing that you have usually is on the upper section of your website. I usually see it on the upper left. And it's like, you know, above it on the uh, dashboard in that arena. So one of the things I would encourage all of you to go to your website right now and look 
to see where it is on your website, that it shows that you are in good shape, that you have it, that it will, that, you know, you've got a secure site um, and that otherwise it also will show if there's checking out or anything else going on um, in that process um, as you go back and forth. All right. So moving in that area. So SSL, uh, it was it's a requirement. And that really was pushed just a little background that was really pushed from the European communities um, to have that. And so by you no know, within the last two years, it was just almost a mandate to have it going along. Number eight, number nine, tying into money. Do you have a shopping cart? Do you have a shopping cart? And that, and if you're using PayPal, if if you've got a if you've got a store page on your website or a books, and people can buy books, whether it's linking to Amazon or linking to Ingram Spark or linking to BNN, Barnes and Noble, what do you got there? And is it um, or it could be linking to PayPal or Stripe or Square or fill in the blank. All right. Now I've got, I've got a couple where I will often say, if you want a, for example, if you want a personalized copy of my book, click here and that takes them to PayPal and they can buy the book there. I get notified. I know to personalize it to, you know, Sam or Susan or fill in the blank. And then I get it out to them. It's sent to them. If you're sending them to Amazon or any other retailer, um, online retailer to get the book, um, then that's a shopping cart. Again, what are your logins? Do you get regular reports? Do you get notified immediately when there's something going on? Um, do you go in and check online to see what kind of action has occurred on there? And, and let me just add one other thing that I have on my book page is I have a the Indie Bound reference that says if you want to buy a book from your local bookstore, put your put your zip code in here and it'll let you know what independent bookstores are within like 50 miles from the community, which is kind of a good thing to do. All right, with that, we're going to take our final break. This is Judith Bryles, and we'll finish up on our last few items on the checklist. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy 
Build your brand and platform and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, so we've gotten through the shopping cart. We've talked about the SSL certificate. We've talked about licensing keys and who owns the theme of your website, where your website domain is registered, who has the login credentials to everything and the passwords, who's your webmaster, who owns your website, including who has the copyright, and you have all the essential phone numbers to everybody who is involved with that. Next up is backup. What about it? Who's doing it? Do yourself a huge, I'm talking about humongous, favor and create a minimum of a full monthly backup on both your physical and online website locations that you can access in case of an emergency. And of course, you need to know the emergency number to call or to access in to get to it. Who does the backup? And what's their contact information? Now, you could be doing a backup on a device that you plug in. Um, and I know I back up everything just myself once a week. But I also have exterior backup. And you could say, okay, well, I'm backing up everything into the cloud. Okay, I get that. But what? have you ever felt that maybe that cloud can get hacked? I mean, there seems these hackers seem to be doing amazing things are they not so can they um are are you fully protected and it may make sense to have an independent backup resource that also is doing it on a totally different offsite and you rest assured banks have multiple backups going on uh big corporations have backup they they don't just rely on the cloud 
They don't just rely on, okay, us doing it. They have independence. So maybe this is something that you should check into too. And there's going to be various costs of those kind of things based on how much stuff is being backed up. But back up. Get in the habit of doing it regularly. I mean, I've been, you know, Costco and Sam's and, you know, um, um, web-related micro centers have gadgets that you can just plug into one of your ports and do the backups. And it's just smart to do this. So you have it. Um, and if you're traveling, guess what? That thing is the size of a, for me, mine is a little bit bigger than what a, um, uh, a package of cigarettes would cost. Um, not as thick, but just a little bit bigger. Very easy to slip into my backpack that I carry all my traveling related things uh, with my computer with when I'm on the road. So I know I always have at least everything in the last week that I can access. That I would call peace of mind. All right, so what about backup? Who's doing it? Number 11. Oh, now we're talking about what I view as the gold mine um, with this is that your subscribers. Okay, so what do you use to collect emails on your website? What do you use? Who do you use? How do you use it? What's the login for it? What's the password? When's the last time you even looked at what was there? Can you have lists of it and lists within the list so you start doing segmentation? So I mentioned as we started this show that um, I was talking about an opt-in, the lead magnet, where you collect names. So this is what we're talking about. Where are those names going? If someone subscribes for your newsletter, if you have a newsletter, where does it go? If someone says, oh, I want that white paper you've done, um, how do they get it? How do they let you know? Usually they let you know by giving their name and email so it now is downloadable. Or do you just have it you know, blatantly open under a resource tab, for example? I don't think that's smart. I think that you're gathering names. Remember the purpose of a website, let's go back to that, is to provide information, provide information, um, to build trust with visitors and be consistent with what you are routinely adding, whether it's a blog, whether it's that newsletter, whether it's, you know, events, what, what is it that people who would be finding you using search terms that you put in your metadata? And we'll come to that in a sec. So, what service collects the emails? Do you know how to access all their names and contact information once it's collected? When's the last time you've looked at it? Do you have the contact information for the group or the entity, the corporation, that collects it. And, and some of these would be, for example, Constant Contact, MailChimp, AWeber. Um, there is, uh, uh, you know, InfoFusion now is called Keep. They're all collectors for data management. Who are they? 
Are you using them? Are you growing them? And it's also really important to realize that as you set these guys up, these these uh, these management systems for emails, is that if you are all of a sudden dumping in a whole bunch of old names that you finally have, okay, I'm going to get my act together and I'm going to do this, get organized, that the odds are you're going to have a lot of dead emails in there. And one of the things that these uh, companies like AWeber and MailChimp, et cetera, that if you get too many bounces when you finally s decide to send something out, if you get too many, you could get frozen very quickly. So what you want to do is let them know that you are just uploading the list. You re recognize that there are some bad emails and you're trying to do the clean out. So you don't go to jail, going to get you out of jail, website jail. Um, and so that's one of the things that you want to routinely do. Now, I have a, a one of my colleagues um, hates to put out a whole bunch of stuff or they uh, they're reluctant to put out something that some of maybe their subscribers may not like uh, for an event or something like that. And they're afraid to getting unsubscribes. And you always have to have the ability by way for anyone to unsubscribe, unsubscribe. And that um, they're afraid that they'll unsubscribe. My attitude about people who unsubscribe is it's fine. Maybe they're you're no longer the fit for them or they're no longer the fit for your wisdom, your sage advice, whatever you are about. It's okay to clean up that way and it keeps it active and alive. So you have subscribers who's collecting their names. Where is it going? Can you access it? How? What's your username? What's your password? And I think it's a good idea, actually, to print out the whole list once in a while so you can just see who's there. Next up, it, this if you have staff that works with you, this is the time to start the conversation. Start the conversation. And you need to get all their usernames and passwords that they have used for anything they do for you. And it's always a touchy conversation because often it's their personal emails or that. My suggestion is that you, you come up with a standard username and a standard password. This is what they have to use. Um, and this is what they have to use as they are working for you in your event that we have seen more disasters and more mistakes, uh, especially around Amazon where Support staff has gone in and used their personal accounts. They use their mobile. Always use your mobile phone number if things have to be accessed, especially with with all the, you know, OTP checking in that they all of a sudden you have, they text you something um, and you have to put the number in. So always use your number mobile so you know what's going on. So you know what's going on. So if there's any changes with staff and support staff, get the updates done. If again, as before, if they leave or terminated, make sure those passwords are changed immediately. And it's again, not a subsequential time, uh, or excuse me, um, number, you know, like maybe you would have 
uh, buy my book number one. So if they leave, you don't want to say the new password is buy my book with the number two. Okay. So get them posted, all of this posted in a location that you know and have a trusted backup. And I can't emphasize that well. And then lastly, as we wrap up our session today, it's, you need to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with your webmaster. I'm assuming everything is okie-dokie. And your website is your publishing and authoring lifeline and portal. It's a must to have all the above information that I've gone through this past hour in a file on your own computer, as well as I would have it printed out um, in your, your safe <laughs> file. Um, and this thing should be backed up daily if there is any changes. It's the must to have, as, as I said, have it printed out in a notebook that, and we have a purple notebook in my office. Everyone knows this is where we keep all this stuff. Um, that a spouse, your partner, a trusted co colleague can instantly find if something happens to you. Stuff happens, sometimes not such good stuff. A key support person can become ill, have personal problems, start acting weird, quit or die. Yep, stuff happens. I want your motto to be, my authoring business, my publishing business is my business. So you need a plan to take care of all that stuff happening as you move along. It's your SOS website due diligence. And you're welcome. All right. So thanks for being with me, for sharing your time with me today. Do go to the show page at bit.ly forward slash book publishing podcast and download. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryle.